Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. Church is to be an exciting place. A place where love and life and miracles happen, where hope comes, where truth sets you free. What, what an awesome week we had with Shane Willard. For those who was able to get here for one or more of the meetings, wasn't that amazing? Yeah. So many people were touched. Some of you bought some of his gear and, uh, and resource and... Uh, He's in Rockhampton today preaching up there and it was just a joy to spend some time and let that truth of the word and that spirit of faith get a hold of us. Today I want to speak on the law of faith and I spoke a little bit of this message a few weeks ago on Sunday night, a few weeks ago, but it just kept burning in my heart and I thought I've added some more to it so here we go. If you've heard the first part, I want to remind you because I don't know about you, but I forget what someone spoke five minutes ago, not some of what someone preached three weeks ago. And then I've added some more to it. So let's get ready. The law of faith. God's created many laws in creation and in the spirit realm. We all know about the law of gravity, whether you believe it or not. What's up there? If you let go of it, which way is it going to go? Down. The law of gravity. You mightn't even believe in it, but it's still going to affect you. Just jump out of a tree and see what happens. So I don't believe in gravity. Well, it's going to affect you. The law of lift is another amazing law. The law of lift can overcome the law of gravity and cause a plane or other objects to rise instead of fall. And there's all the physical dynamics in there. Those that have done uh, university physics, you can explain the law of lift overcoming the law of gravity. But if the law, if the engine stops, guess which way you go? down because gravity takes over again and so God's created all these different laws and principles of life we have a law of the spirit of giving and we talk about that um, when we sow into the kingdom of God Luke 6 38 says give generously and generous gifts will be given back to you shaken down to make room for more abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over the top The measurement of your generosity becomes the measurement of your return. I love God because you can never outgive Him. You sow some food to the neighbors, and guess what? More comes back. It's amazing how you just keep on sowing love and God multiplies it. Sometimes there's a little bit of time between the sowing and the reaping. There are two key laws here at work. If you give, there will be a return, it will grow, it will increase. And secondly, by the measure you give, it will be measured to you. So there's a few different laws, there's many others, but I want to look at the law of faith. Matthew 17, verses 14 to 20. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but that they could not heal him. Can you see the pain? The father, he's got a son who has epilepsy. There's some evil spirits at work to destroy his life. And he he has fits and falls in the fire. And uh, this guy had heard about Jesus and the miracles. Remember, Jesus, for those who know their Bible, had been up on the mountain with Peter, James, and John. And he was transfigured, have an encounter with the glory of God, preparing him for his death and resurrection, and had a chat with Moses and Elijah, what an amazing time. And the other nine disciples, they didn't get picked. They, sh- they drew the short straw, so they were left down the bottom. And sure enough, while they're there, all the needs of humanity started coming around looking for Jesus. And they thought, well, Jesus is up on the mountain. We're not sure when he's coming back, but we'll pray. 
So they're praying their, their hearts out and this guy doesn't get free. So they're all discouraged, wondering what's going on. Jesus comes down to the mountain, hears the cry of the father and immediately rebukes the spirit of infirmity and darkness that was stealing and that's what happens. But in verse 17 he says, Jesus, you unbelieving and perverse generation. Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. He was upset that darkness was ruling and that probably his disciples still hadn't got a hold of how to release the healing. But this is after he'd already sent them out to villages and they had seen healing. So now they're confused. You ever had something, your breakthrough in God, and the next time you try it doesn't work? Thank God, what happened? You pray a prayer, breakthrough comes, next time you pray, it doesn't happen. There's a journey of faith, there's a growing of faith that we're all on in our lives. And so bring the boy to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. Well, these guys are already feeling bad because they got left out from the party on the mountain and now they're feeling even worse. Jesus said, you you had little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So these guys are in the school of faith and they were failing out bad this day and they thought, what, what's going on? The Amplified of verse 20 says, he adds, because your little faith, your lack of trust and confidence in the power of God, for I assure you and most solemnly say to you, if you have living faith the size of a mustard seed, and it's very, very tiny, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and if it's God's will, it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. And these poor disciples are trying to get their head around it. They've seen Jesus do miracles of healing. They've actually been sent out two by two and seen the power of God work. And now this day it didn't work. So they said, Jesus, what's going on? It's interesting to note that Jesus is not saying that their faith was smaller than a mustard seed. And he wasn't actually talking about the amount of their faith. We've always interpreted that verse, O you of little faith, we've always interpreted that as not enough amount of faith. But it's interesting to note, the word little in this verse is the Greek word oligos, meaning brief. So Jesus was saying, you just didn't keep believing long enough. Wasn't how much faith they had. He said, You only actually need a tiny little bit of faith, the size of mustard seed, which is one of the smallest seeds and then grows in a big tree. So he wasn't telling him you need a huge amount of faith. He says, You just need a small amount, but you need to keep believing long enough for the breakthrough to happen. And that's a revelation that has really stirred my heart in these recent weeks. It doesn't refer to the amount, instead, it refers to how long they hang on to their faith in the midst of the fight. In other words, it doesn't take much faith to move a mountain, but it does take persistent faith and not giving in to doubt or fear or unbelief. Everything in the spirit realm works by the law of faith, either positively or negatively. Do you realize if you let fear rule you, often the thing you fear comes upon you? Because fear is a negative force of faith that draws negative stuff to you. That's why Jesus says, don't fear. 
Don't fear because in the spirit realm, you are opening the door for negative stuff to come around your world. He says, don't let fear and doubt rule you. But in the positive realm, faith is a spirit force that opens the heavens. It opens up the power of God to be released to you. It can bring heaven to earth in your situation. And he says, you don't need lots. You just need to keep it long enough so that it's not brief, but it's long enough for the miracle to work. And how long's that? Depends on the circumstance and depends on the situation that God's in. I love 1 Timothy 6.12. It says, fight the good fight of faith. In the conflict with evil, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and for which you made the good confession of faith in the presence of many witnesses. So what's the good fight of faith? We're not fighting people. It says we don't wrestle or fight against people. We fight against works of darkness that try to steal our faith, steal our hope, steal our confidence. And we, we're in a meeting like this and faith rising. And Yay, God's going to break through in my family and my life. And three weeks later, it hasn't happened yet. We think, oh, it mustn't have been God's will or I didn't have enough faith. No, you just started to drop your level of believing. You had brief faith, but not persistent faith. God, God wants your faith to grow. And how does it grow? By using it. If you don't use some muscles, you go out in the garden and you haven't done gardening for three months. My next day, you've got sore back and muscles and ligaments. You think, that was hard work. But if you'd been doing 15 minutes gardening every day, you would have breezed through it because you're used to using those muscles. Faith's the same. Some of us just use a lot of faith when we have a great crisis. Others of us learn to trust God and exercise faith every day in normal life. And then when the big ones come, guess what? It's not going to swamp you. It's exercising, <coughs> using the faith that we have. So fight the good fight of faith. You're fighting the things that are trying to steal your faith. Fear, unbelief, doubt, other people's opinion, what social media says, what the lies of the enemy say that you're not good enough or strong enough or you're a failure. All those things. We've got to fight those thoughts and those things. That's the good fight of faith. You're fighting the things that are trying to rob and steal from you, your destiny, your purpose, and your faith-filled life that's going to help other people get set free. That's what the good fight of faith is. And the Apostle Paul was commended for his good fight of faith. Spoke to Timothy, you fought the good fight of faith. I want to encourage you today, if you don't remember anything else from this message, faith is not about the amount, it's about how long you keep exercising it. The amount will grow as well, but don't give up. We give up too easy. We live in an instant world. Fight the good of fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called called you've got to take hold of it and not let go of it way too many of us let go too quick on the promises of God hey don't let go of it if God's promised blessing and destiny and breakthrough for your life don't let go of it because the faith is a word from God it's a promise it's currency in heaven and yet we let go of it too quickly Hebrews 11:1 1 in the Amplified says now faith is the assurance the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed. 
divinely guaranteed and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. We've just done a series recently on spiritual intelligence. Faith sees. Doesn't just depend on natural circumstances. It sees in the spirit realm. The law of faith takes a hold of what God's promised and then as you take a hold of it, you will then start to see it manifest in the natural. Healing is where you believe God's word says, I can heal you. You reach out and receive it and then you'll see the manifestation of it. Sometimes immediately, which is a miracle. Sometimes over time. Sometimes uh, step by step and change of lifestyle, all sorts of things. Hebrews 11.3 in the Amplified says, By faith that which is with an inherent trust and enduring confidence in the power, wisdom and goodness of God, we understand that the worlds, the universe, the ages were framed and created, formed, put in order and equipped for their intended purpose by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Wow, that's why words can create an atmosphere which can, can release freedom. There's strife in a house or you start to speak words of love and hope and forgiveness and see the atmosphere shift and then all of a sudden the attitudes start to move and then peace comes and replaces strife how did it come because you started to speak words of love and hope and faith and a shift happens that can happen in the natural once you include God in the picture and start releasing the awesome creative power of God's word everything can shift and change from darkness to light, from fear to freedom. And God wants us to be people of faith. We are believers, not unbelievers. Every now and then I meet some people, I think, who are unbelieving believers. They're Christians, but we've got more unbelief than we've got belief. Hey, let's be believing believers. Let us be people of faith who don't walk by sight, but walk by faith. We live so much in this natural realm and God's placed us here. But Jesus showed how we can walk and live in the natural realm but bring the supernatural realm into our daily lives. Doesn't mean miracles are popping out everywhere but it means you live above the circumstance of fear and doubt and pain. Those things are around us but we walk through them by the Spirit of God. The invisible became visible by the force of faith. This means that the way we transfer things from the third heaven to the visible world is through the law of faith. If you want to grow and be a person who impacts others for the kingdom of God, you've got to have faith in there. Like today, God drops a little seed thought in my heart while we're worshipping about someone limping along the beach. That's all I see. That's the seed of faith. I say, Holy Spirit, what are you trying to tell me? And as I then engage with the Holy Spirit and and exercise faith, all of a sudden the picture gets clearer and then I understand that he wants to bring healing to people's issues with their legs. It starts with a seed of faith, but many of us miss the seed and we say, God doesn't really, he's not interested in my world or he doesn't speak to me. He's trying to speak to us all the time by His Spirit. We're reading a scripture and we get a little bit excited and think, oh, that's an awesome scripture. And then we go off and don't 
let the seed of faith grow. So, Lord, what are you trying to tell me? Lord, what, what are you trying to get my attention about from a, a, a written scripture that then becomes an inspired scripture that releases faith to transform your world or someone else's around? And so often, that little seed, that idea, that little vision, that, that sense, oh, God's stirring your heart to go and pray for someone for healing. You think, oh, they might think I'm silly. It's a seed of faith. So you just engage in conversation. You find out they're ill, and then you say, hey, can I pray for you? The seed of faith was sown by an impression or a thought or a vision or an idea. And so often we think that's just, I can see they're sick. But the faith is the seed that comes, and then as you step out on it, then often authority, healing, power is released. And God wants us to flow in that more and more and more. I shared this story a while ago, but it's a, it's a fascinating story. We're not flying in too many planes at present, but before COVID, we were flying all over the world. But do you realize the amazing story of how the first guys flew in their plane? The Wright brothers. On the 17th of December, 903, Orville Wright, after he and his brother had crashed five experimental planes... Didn't work first time. Made the first successful plane flight in the history of the world. They were pastor's sons. Christians. But their dad had even given up on the dream. Said, oh, you kids, you're making stuff in the backyard again. Crazy motors, you're using up all my metal and all my timber and... uh, It says only seven people were present that day to witness the first historic flight because Orville and his brother Wilbur, what awesome names, Orville and Wilbur, had failed so many times that only seven people still kept believing and had faith that these guys were onto something. They didn't understand all the physics about the law of lift overcoming the law of gravity, but they were on to something and they, they just had this stirring in their heart that, hey, people could fly. God had planted a seed of faith in their heart and then they had to experiment and try and work out how was it going to happen. Sometimes God will give you an idea by faith and then it takes a whole while of discovery, learning, study, trial and error before all of a sudden, woo, you're flying with the idea. How many amazing breakthroughs could have happened, but we just didn't understand the seed of faith and persevered long enough with faith to see it come to pass. I believe there's a whole lot of ministries that have not been released yet because we haven't stepped up. Tina's had a vision for 25 years to see people get healed and set free from addiction and strongholds. She never gave up on it. Even though there were times you thought, God, how's this going to work? God wants to stir our hearts. Not to give up, to to heed that seed in our hearts. And so the plane flew just 12 seconds. And people say, well, that wasn't much. But every time you get on a plane today, if it wasn't for these guys, we'd still probably be walking or driving or swimming or whatever. Yeah. And get this. The place where they flew, this was the name of the place, was Kill Devil Hills. 
I thought that's a bit of irony, isn't it? <laughs> Overcoming the lies of the enemy that they could never fly. So they took off and they flew. It, like that first flight, Peter's water walk didn't last long either. Let's have a look at that story, Matthew 14, 22. As soon as the people were fed, Jesus told his disciples to get in their boat and to go to the other side of the lake while he stayed behind to dismiss the people. After the crowds dispersed, Jesus went up into the hills to pray. And as night fell, he was there praying alone. But the disciples who were now in the middle of the lake ran into trouble for their boat was tossed about by the high winds and heavy seas. At about four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on top of the water, they were terrified and screamed, A ghost! Because most sailors were really quite superstitious. Then Jesus said, Be brave and don't be afraid. I am here. I am here. All of a sudden, everything started to change. Peter shouted out, Lord, if it's really you, he wasn't still convinced, but his voice sounded a bit like Jesus, but there's a roaring of the waves and he probably couldn't hear real clear. If it's really you, then have me join you on the water. I love this. Jesus didn't even invite him on the water. He's the one who had the seed of faith that if Jesus can do it, why can't I? <coughs> I love that bold faith, hey? If Jesus can heal the sick, why can't I in his name? If Jesus can bring hope to someone's life, why can't I release that hope? If Jesus can cast out strongholds of darkness over people, why can't I under his power do the same? He's looking for a whole lot of Christians that can be like Peter say, if you can walk on water, why can't I? Can you imagine what the other 11 in the boat are saying? Peter, don't be stupid. You can't walk on water. Peter didn't even stop and argue with him. He just had this seed of faith and said, if Jesus can do it, so can I. So off he got, he climbed over the edge of the boat and he started walking on water. Now, we don't know if he worked for, walked for 12 seconds like the first flight or how long he walked on water. But he didn't stay up there for long because his faith was only brief. It goes on. She said, come to me. Jesus replied, so Peter stepped out of the water and began to, out, the, out onto the water and began to walk toward Jesus. But when he realized how high the waves were, his natural mind kicks in and says, Woo, this is awesome. Oh, look at that next wave coming. It's a 35-meter tidal wave. How am I going to get over this one? He got frightened and started to think. Fright is fear. So fear robbed him of his faith. Whenever you step out at any journey of faith, whether it's teaching your, your RI class for the first time, whether it's the first time you try to lead someone to Jesus, get, guess what? You're going to be frightened and afraid, but you've still got to do it anyway. I live happy, scared most of my life. you just got to not give up. Just keep on seeds of faith and stepping out. So Peter steps out. He sees the waves. He starts to sink. Save me, Lord. At least he cried out to Jesus to save him. Didn't cry out to his disciples. They, weren't, they were no help. They're sitting in the boat just mocking him. You've got to call out to someone that's got greater faith than you when you need some help. And Jesus is a really good place to start. Jesus immediately stretched out his hand and lifted him up and said, listen to what he said, 
What little faith you have. Why would you let doubt win? Little faith is oligos, brief, not amount. You had faith for a moment and you actually walked on water. But when you started to get afraid and let fear rule you, you started to sink. And that's a principle of life. Why would you let doubt win? That's a really good question. Why do we let doubt and fear win so often in our own lives? God's asking some of you that right now. He's called you to step up and serve Him, do some things for the kingdom of God, believe for your whole household to come into the kingdom, sow some seeds into your neighborhood kids of love and truth. And they go, oh, what if they, what if they reject it? What if they listen but then don't change? Hey, let faith come. And I love this. And the very moment they both stepped into the boat, the raging wind ceased. There's not even a statement about Jesus stopping the, speaking to the storm. Faith was so alive in that place. He's walking on water. Peter joins him for a little while, sinks. And then obviously lifted him up and then he walked on water with Jesus back to the boat. How awesome's that? He walked on water twice. And as soon as they got in the boat, the storm ceased. Now can you imagine the other 11 disciples? Mate, one minute they're mocking Peter. Next minute he sinks. Then he's walking back in the boat. And as soon as they get back in the boat, the storm stops. When faith's alive, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Anything. Honestly. Then all the disciples bowed down before him and worshipped Jesus. They said in adoration, you are truly the Son of God. Oh, let me tell you, when a miracle or a breakthrough happens... Your mind is challenged and your faith in Jesus grows strong. Oh, Lord. You're so good. You're so good. There's a, there's a spirit of faith in this house and God's teaching us how to not try and get mountains of faith. You only need a little bit, but just step out on it and don't give up. That's what God's calling us to do. Be led by the Spirit. If Peter had little faith, I'm not sure what level of faith the other 11 disciples had. They were minus 10, maybe minus 100. I'm not sure what they had, but it wasn't much. Faith caused Peter to connect the third heaven with the superior law of the Spirit to overcome the law that says he should sink when he walks on water. I saw, I saw a documentary recently. And they had these amazing, um, they were little, little um, insects. And they were walking on water. Do you know what they were called? Jesus beetles. I just saw, yes! That's their official name. They got these little beetles that had got really big padded feet. So the, the size of their feet was big enough to carry their weight. And they go skimming across the water and they're called Jesus beetles. I thought, yes, yes. 
God's not going to ask many of you to, to walk on water literally, but he's certainly asking us to step out of the boat much more often than we do. To keep trust in God. To sow some seeds of faith. We can't grow our faith by staying in the boat. Step out and pray the prayer of faith. Sow some seeds. He wants us to grow in him. Reach out to the Holy Spirit. Matthew 8, 23 is another story of the boat. We'll just mention that when he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came on the lakes that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up on the pillow saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. One of the verses says, don't you care if we're going to drown? As if Jesus had a mission. He wasn't going to drown. So if if Jesus is in the boat and he's not going to drown, you're not going to drown as long as you stay in the boat and don't jump overboard when fear comes. If Jesus is out in the water, you step out of the boat. If he's in the boat, you stay with him because you're going to make it to the other side. And then, verse 26, he said, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? The same word, brief faith. You started out bold going across the lake. The storm kept raging for hours and your faith dissipated and now you're full of fear. Wow. God help us. Then he got up, rebuked the winds, the waves. It was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. This is a bit earlier in his ministry. Just as we wrap it up with one more thought today, Matthew 6, 25 says, this is why I tell you (coughs) to never worry about your life. For all that you need will be provided, such as food, water, clothing, everything your body needs. Isn't there more to your life than a meal? Isn't your body more than clothing? Consider the birds. Do you think they worry about their existence? They don't plant or reap or store up food, yet your Heavenly Father provides them each with food. Aren't you much more valuable to your Father than they are? Wow. So which one of you by worrying could add anything to your life? And why would you worry about your clothing? Look at all the beautiful flowers of the field. They don't work at all, and yet not even Solomon, all the splendor was robed in beauty like one of these. Wow. Some of us spend a whole lot of time worrying about what we're going to wear, and we change 15 times before we go out to make sure we're going to have just the right thing on. I'm thinking, it's okay to be aware, but don't let worry overwhelm you. So if God has clothed the meadow with hay, which is here for such a short time, then dried up and burned, won't he provide for you the clothes you need, you of little faith? Oh, no, not again. You of little faith, brief faith, that just doesn't trust him long enough that he's going to keep providing food and clothes and shelter for you. Wow. It's all through the scriptures and I've never seen it before. So then forsake your worries. Why would you say what we will eat or what we will we drink and what we wear? For that is what the unbelievers chase after. Doesn't your heavenly Father already know the things your body requires? So above all, constantly seek all these less important and all these less important. Seek first the kingdom of God, sorry, and his righteousness. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Not just a little bit. 
we keep seeking his kingdom and his purpose, he says, I'll give you all those just as a bonus. Oh, Lord, you are amazing. Refuse to worry about tomorrow. Need to stop there for 20 seconds. Whoever worries about what's going to happen tomorrow? I think we all do. Some of us have got both hands up and feet. (laughs) Why do we worry so much about what's going to happen tomorrow? Yeah, we've got to be responsible and provide for our families. I understand general concern and provision. But don't let worry and fear keep you up at night. Oh, you of little faith. Oh, us of little faith. Because I've learned it's a silly thing to waste today's energy on something that probably won't even happen tomorrow. We go to bed exhausted because we've worried about what mightn't even happen tomorrow. That's why Jesus said so clearly. He says, don't worry about it. Refuse to worry about tomorrow. That's not just don't, it's refuse. In other words, we probably will. But deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Wow, wow, wow. Worship team, come on up. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Now that's not a haphazard, she'll be right, mate. It's a trusting Jesus that he's going to look after us. So today's lesson is about little faith is often brief faith that we just get discouraged by fear, anxiety, other people's opinions. People come, especially the rallies who are not yet full on for Jesus. Are you still praying about that? You're still going to church and believing that God's going to do something? Anyone got relatives like that? Yeah, a few of us have. God help us to not give up. Faith's like a muscle. It will get stronger and more powerful the more you use it. Last thought is Hebrews 12.2 says, Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Oh, that's awesome news because he starts the journey. He gives us the seed. And then if we keep trusting him, And using what we've got, guess what? He's going to help us finish the course of faith. That takes a whole lot of pressure off us. But some of us think we've got to try and help God out on the journey. Sure, we partner with him. We fight the good fight of faith, making sure we refuse to let worry and fear and doubt and all that other stuff rob us from fulfilling our faith journey. Thank you for joining us. The Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Bayside Christian Church.